Howdy, folks. This is professional rodeo announcer Joe Coulter, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Slave the Cowboy. But before we get started, I want to ask you one question. What is a cowboy? Well, a cowboy is about character, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And you know when you scratch all that in the dirt, you're going to spell out the word Christ. And that, in its simplest form, is what being a true cowboy is all about. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride for the Lord. And may God save the cowboy. Hey, this is Kevin. I'm glad you joined us again. I split that last sermon up into two deals because I thought it was that important. So just sit back and relax. And if you missed the first one, you can always go to SaveTheCowboy.com and listen to it there. Hope you enjoy. I ended up in a rodeo and uh, in, a, in a little podunk town called El Dorado, Texas. And, and, you know, like, like a lot of towns, you know, you, you, it's spelled El Dorado, but you can always tell who the new people are because that's how they pronounce it. But it's El Dorado, Texas. And I was signed up in the bareback ride, and me and some buddies went over there and everything. And, and I hadn't ridden since college, and so we got back there behind the chutes, and we was all entered up. And, and, and I noticed something that, that I had seen a lot of times, and, and just, you know, a lot of times you see things, you just don't really pay attention to, uh, to the way things are done. And it was so funny because, you know, I, I get back there and I've, I've got my rigging bag and everything, and I know what horse I'm going to draw, and, and I'd seen him buck before, and uh, I knew I had my work cut out for me, and everybody was either walking up and congratulating me or, or apologizing to me beforehand because this thing was was pretty rank but I got back there and there's all the bull riders and you know they're rosining up their ropes and and bull riders have a a certain set of of calisthenics that they do before they get on I mean you'll see them back there and they're doing this and you know and and they're you know, bending down and jumping up, bending down and jumping up. And I mean, I was getting asthma just watching them. So I just sat on the deal and I just puffed on my asthma inhaler because they was wearing me out. And um, th then you've got your saddle bronc riders. They've all got their saddles sitting on the ground and, and they're putting some rosin on the swells and everything. And they're right there and boy, they're uh, getting it right there on the ground. And uh, that would have bucked me off just by doing that. But you know... <laughs> What do bareback riders do? Because, you know, you can always see the rough stock riders in the back. Um, you can tell them different from the ropers because they're all over there clean and, and holding their ropes and everything. And all the rough stock riders, the, the dummies, they're, they're over here uh, doing their, their calisthenics. And I thought, you know what? I don't really have any type of rodeo calisthenics to do. So, so I just jumped off the, the, the pipe on my head and started flopping because that's about how I rode bareback. And so I had three cowboys trying to give me CPR, and that was not going to happen. I don't like, uh, even though I dipped at the time, I, I, I don't like, you know, why y'all girls kiss him? I have no idea. Y'all are sick. And so anyway, after I got done with my calisthenics, you know, bareback is usually the first event. And boy, I see this big old dun horse come in and, and he goes up in the chute and they're getting the, uh, they're getting the flank strap put on him. And I lower my bareback rigging over there and I've got my old hand stuffed in there. And uh, I, I had a bunch of uh, petroleum jelly 
in my fingers because I wasn't that good and I didn't want to get hung up. And, you know, if I came out, then I'd just say, oh, dadgum. But anyway, I had everything ready to go. And so I see this big dun horse come in, and, and I'm like in the middle. And so I'm thinking, okay, somebody's going to go first. Somebody's going to go first. And I've got everything ready. And I guess they drove straws back there or something because the shoot boss walked up. And he goes, all right, cowboy, you're out first. And I was like, what? I was like, all right, I'm going to set the stage right here, baby. And I, so I stuck my old, my old glove in there, and, and I twisted it, and I got a good bind. And I nodded for it, and nothing happened. And I figured out that I really wasn't nodding. I was screaming. But uh, anyway, that was my cry. And so they, they, turned the, they, they opened the gate, and that old big dun horse come out, and he took about three deals, and he set me up real good. And then he just, uh, he exploded. And the next thing I know, I got a mouthful of arena. And I get up, and I kind of put my hat, you know, kind of pull my hat down. And there's this weird sound going on. And everybody, the whole stands, are standing up just cheering like you wouldn't believe. And I know I didn't ride that thing for three or four seconds. And I thought, man, this is a good crowd. And the announcer is laughing. I mean, he is belly laughing. And I thought, that's rude. That is just rude. And so here comes this clown. When the clown runs out to you during the bareback riding, it's never a good thing. And here comes the clown, and he's running out to me, and my horse is still just a pitching and a farting out through there. And... And he shakes my hand, and I hear the announcer say, People, I have been announcing rodeos for 20 years. And he said, I have never, ever seen such an extraordinary ride in all my life. And I thought, man, I must have put a whooping on him. <coughs> and I get back to the shoots, and cowboys are laughing and patting me on the back, and I'm like, thanks. I don't know what, I mean, you know, when you're that awesome, you don't even know sometimes what, what's going on. And so, anyway, my buddy Chad, he comes up to me, and he's up in the bull riding, and he goes, how did you do that? And I was like, you know, do you ask, how'd I do what? And I just looked at him, you know, like cowboys will, and just like, ah, it's just what we do. And then I looked around. I said, what did I do? He said, you didn't do that on purpose? And I said, well, I might have. I mean, I know what I did. I want you to tell me if you saw what I knew I did. And he said, you're full of crap. He said, you really don't know what everybody's laughing about. And I said, I ain't got no idea. He said, it was the dangest thing. He said, you screwed down on that horse. You got your old hand in there, and then you started screaming like a girl. And everybody was asking, is he calling for it, or is he like a, a Viking warrior, or what? He said, I was a little bit embarrassed, and then you yelled, turn him out! And they opened the gate, Kevin, and you got your mark out just like you had been to the NFR, and that's about as pretty as it got. And he said, that big old dun horse, he set you up like that. And on that second jump, whenever he skied up there, he said, you was laid back real pretty. 
He said, I knew you was already off. You just hadn't come off yet. He said, but you were so pretty. And as you came off, so did your hat. And I said, really? He said, yeah, and that's where it gets great. He said, you come off like a rag doll. It was pretty ugly. And he said, in mid-flight, you reached out and you grabbed your hat. And you put your hat back on. He said, then you hit like a big old, big old sack of taters. And I said, yeah, I did that on purpose. <laughs> Step number two to, to living an extraordinary life is the Holy Spirit gives wisdom and understanding. Yeah, the, the first thing that, that, that I want you to know is that God loves you. And until you come to that realization that God loves you more than anything else in the world, he loved you so much that he let his son be killed by a bunch of no-account religious hypocrites so that the gate would be thrown wide open so that you could go through it. Greater love have no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. How do you view God? When God says, I want you to do it this way, or maybe God says, I want you to stop doing this, how do you view that? The Apostle Paul says that we must be transformed by the renewing of our mind, and that's a really fancy church way of saying, you got to change the way you think about some things, cowboys. God is not here to make you unhappy. And, and, and I hate the religions that, that think that in order to be a Christian, to be a good Christian, that you got to be suffering and everything like that. It ain't like that. It's not like that at all. But neither is it, you know, oh, I'm going to become a Christian so that I become wealthy and everything and all my problems will go away. That ain't going to happen either for most of us. How do you view what God says? Is God's word a guardrail to keep you from going off the cliff? Or I think that a lot of us, and it doesn't matter if it's a new Christian or an old Christian, we start getting into this, this uh, stuffed toy crane philosophy. Okay, I'm going to start doing what God says. I'm going to go insert my quarter in there. I'm going to move the joystick over. I'm going to get it just right. Hit that big red button and it goes down and it grabs it. It's pulling it up and then it falls. And we're like, ah, that was worthless. Is that how you view prayer? Is that how you view God's word? That everything is just behind the glass and you can see the happiness. You can see what you want, but every time you put your prayer in and you move it over just right and hit that button, it grabs onto it, but it doesn't have the strength to get it up. And then we walk away disgusted. And then the next time we're in Walmart, you go by and you're like, hey, I bet today's the day. Watch this. I feel lucky today. Folks, that's not God. God is there to provide stuff for you, not a stuffed toy that the world says will make you better. You don't have to have a feeling of accomplishment with the stuffed toy. <clears throat> is God's word a guardrail to keep you from going off a cliff? Or is God's word just something that maybe you can get what you want? There are things much bigger than ourselves. And I think that's the key to understanding the wisdom of God is, is we, are, we are so self-centered. And, and I mean, I'm sorry, but... You know, the world does not revolve around us any, <clears throat> anymore. Think about this. There was one time when the world revolved around you and you alone. And that was the time when Jesus was on the cross. Because 
the reason he went through that beating and that lashing and that pain and that suffering was so that he could become the sacrifice. It was all about you then, but it's not anymore. It's not about me. It's not about Save the Cowboy. It's not about whether we do this or don't do this. It's about understanding that God loves us. It's about understanding that we were made to be bigger than ourselves. Step number one in living an extraordinary life is really simple. Take what you know and apply it to your lives. Start doing what God tells you to do. And I don't care how tough it is. I'm not going to get behind you and, 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 you know, oh, I'm so sorry. Man, you know what? This life is tough. And if it was, this is not heaven. Heaven is when we come face to face with God. I've told you two steps to living an extraordinary life. It really is that simple. Do what God says and understand that it's not about you. It's about other people. And we should all live our lives, number one, for God, number two, for our fellow man. But there are some benefits to doing what God says. And we already read them in verses 9 through 11. Live a life that honors the Lord in verse 10. Live a life of honor. I know that me, I have not always lived a life of honor. But you know what? If you do what God says and you ask for His wisdom and understanding and everything, and when you understand that it's not about you, it's about Him and sharing His love, then suddenly you become a, an honorable person. How many times do we know that one cowboy or cowgirl in our lives, whether it was family or a friend or, or something? And I'm not talking about fame and fortune. I'm talking about just knowing that when... When that person uh, leaves this world, that they'll say, man, he was steady. He might not have been the fastest. He might not have been the strongest. He might not have been anything. But you know what? He was steady. Live a life of honor is what will happen. It's the only way that it can truly happen whenever you do what God says and you ask for his wisdom and understanding. The second thing is you'll be able to do good things. Who doesn't want to do good things? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, and I'm not talking about going and picking up trash on the side of the road. I'm talking about just stopping in and visiting with someone or make a difference in somebody's life. Jared always says, be the change you want to see in society. Do you want to be the change? You've got to start doing good things. And the only way to do good things is by doing what God tells you to do. The third benefit of asking for wisdom and understanding that it's not about yourself and doing what God tells you to do or tells you not to do, is that you will come to know God. And who doesn't want that? I always tease my wife about having a burning bush in the backyard and she's got the key and won't let me have it. I got some questions. I think we all do. But do you want to get to know God? Is God, you know, does, does he ride in the front seat with you or does he ride in the back seat? Does he ride with you at all? When you saddle up and tow that stirrup, is God right there with you? Or did you lock him up in the, in the bookcase at the house? The third benefit of living an extraordinary life is that you will come to know God. The fourth thing, they get better and tougher as it goes along. In verse 11, it says, His glorious power will make you patient, strong enough to endure anything. There's a lot of us right now that need some of that strength. To endure anything the toughest things on earth the toughest things in heaven if there is a tough thing 
Do what God tells you to do. If you're struggling right now, that I'm giving you the answer, but I'm not giving it to you. God gave it to you. He said, do what I tell you to do, and these things will come to you. I mean, I mean think about it. In verse, two, you know, in verse 9, he says, We have not stopped praying for you since the first day we heard about you. In fact, we always pray that God will show you everything He wants you to do and that you may have all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. But I want you to look at the next word in verse 10. Then. Then. God never puts the cart before the horse. He never puts the cart before the horse. It's not a set of rules to live by. It's knowing who God is. It's doing what he tells you to do. If he says, warning, there's a cliff, don't go walk off of it and then complain about how God punished you for walking off the cliff. He, he told you. He said, don't walk this way or it'll hurt. Don't stick the, bob, don't stick the bobby pin in the light socket, cowboy. Because if we do, it's going to shock you and it's going to hurt. I warned you. How many of y'all grew up with a 9,000-pound TV set on a TV tray? Don't touch that. It's going to fall on you. You know what I heard yesterday was uh, that you can always see how many kids people have because if the pacifier drops and they've got 9,000 of them and then they go home and boil them so that their kids will be safe, that's a new parent. Because on the second and third and on, you just blow it off and give it back to them. Do what God is telling you to do. And if you need wisdom and understanding, it's not going to come before you start doing what he tells you to do. But if you do what he tells you to do, then the understanding will come and the benefits, you'll live a life of honor. You'll be able to do good things for other people. You'll be thought highly of. And don't do them so that you'll be up here. Do them because that's what you were made to do. Come to know God. Do you need to be patient and be able to endure the hardships of life? Do what God says. But the last benefit, the last benefit of doing those two things, of leaning on God for wisdom and understanding and doing what he tells you to do, is truly the most magnificent. Verse 11, his glorious power will make you patient and strong enough to endure anything, and you will be truly happy. Is that what you're looking for today? Do you put on a good face for everybody? Everybody thinks that everything is just hunky-dory, but inside, you're knotted up. You can tell that you're going to get bucked off that day. You can tell that, that no matter what other people think, that it's just a big old knot and it's just waiting to explode. Do you want to be happy? God gives you the answers right there. Do what he tells you to do and lean on his wisdom and understanding, not yours. Are you tired of a dull, go-to-work, struggle-with-everything kind of life? I want every single one of you, whether you're listening on the radio, watching online, or sitting in one of these metal chairs or bleachers, I want you to start living an extraordinary life, and so does God. And it is available. Start applying the Bible to your life today, not tomorrow, not next week. This isn't the diet plan that you're going to start two weeks from now so that you can get all the sin and everything built back up so you'll have the strength to go on. That's not it. Do you have the guts to start applying what God said today? Not tomorrow. Be extraordinary. You want to help spread the gospel? You've got to be extraordinary. See God's will in every part of your life. God is not an insurance card. 
to be pulled out of the glove box whenever sin comes in. Let God drive for you. Scoot over. Quit trying to do everything yourself. God is the GPS that only he knows the way. And his name isn't Tom Tom. Have you felt disgraced? Start living a life of extraordinary honor today. None of us are worthy, but his son made us worthy for those that believe in him. Start living an extraordinary life of honor today. Have you done bad things? We all have. There's not a single person in here that hasn't done something wrong in God's eyes. Ask for forgiveness and then take it. Forgive yourselves. Get to know God. How extraordinary would your life become if you had God on your side? The Bible says, if he is for us, who can be against us? Do you feel like the world is against you? Get to know God. You do that by doing what he says and seeking his wisdom and understanding, not yours. You can be one of those people without worry, without tension, and strong enough to endure any storm. These are the gifts that are given to extraordinary people. We all know one. We think, how, how can you even, how are you handling this? They smile and they say, I'm not. God is. Get to know him. You can be one of the most extraordinary thing someone can be in today's world is happy. Are you happy? I think all of us, no matter where we are, could use a hot shot of God. Because Jesus is my hot shot. You know the people that are on Facebook. I had put a picture the other day of me sitting at Sue Link's house, and I've got a hot shot in my hand. And the caption said, Cowboy Law, the most immature person usually ends up with the hot shot. And it's usually you. I was just trying to be funny. And the very first comment was, Jesus Christ is my hot shot. Take me now, God. I can't deal with this anymore. Take me now. Jesus is Jared's hot shot, too. The most extraordinary thing someone can be in today's world is happy. Is that what you want? You want to be awesome? Me and Jared are giving our secret out. Right, Jared? We're, we're, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not just going to take it all for ourselves. And if you know us personally, that's an inside joke. But do you want to be extraordinary? Do what God says and hear what God says. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not whenever your finances get better, not whenever this, this one thing that you're going through is over with. Start today. Tomorrow sends more people into stress, into tension, into despair than anything else. Start doing what God tells you to do. And my prayer for each and every one of you is to leave here extraordinary and awesome. Hey, before you shut that knob off, let me tell you something. If you like today's program, we can all give a great big thank you to Western LLC. They're a turnkey development for oil and gas and aviation industries. You can get on the internet and visit them at westernllc.com. Also, Jim and Kelly Gerald at Integrity Auto Repair and Rod Denning at Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling. All of them out of Kiowa, Colorado. You ought to know by now that I ain't going to jerk your leg. <laughs> okay, maybe every once in a while, but this one ain't no story. This here's the truth. We need your help to stay on the air and keep this gospel being spread to cowboys and cowgirls like you. It ain't easy to ask, I promise you. We'll even tell all your friends that are listening that it's you that are bringing it to them. Help us out by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and contacting me. 
Call me and let's get this thing set up. Don't leave it to somebody else.